You gotta know where this guy at at all times. There he is again. How about three in a row? Oh, going down! That was cold blooded. No! This is High Volume Shooter, and I'm your host, Alchemy. A lot of you have been asking. It's been, what, you know, almost two weeks here since there's been an episode of The Hezzy. It's official. I'm no longer hosting The Hezzy for Basketball Gods. We couldn't agree on a direction for the brand, and so High Volume Shooter is brought to you exclusively by me and is essentially The Hezzy 2.0. So you will be able to find... An episode per week on Spotify, iTunes, all the platforms, and there will be a bonus episode on my Patreon each week where you will also gain access to the voicemail bag and be able to contribute to the show, shoot your shot and all that. So if you're not already a member of, of my Patreon, please consider supporting. It's it's really a good value, man. It, it, there's a ton of content on there. I know a lot of people's patrons are kind of just like little extra bonus pieces of content to what they do. Um Ask anybody who's a member. It's the heart of all my content there, and it's it's a really good value. So that will be the second episode of the week, and I may tweak things as I go here and re recalibrate and readjust. But I appreciate y'all still rocking with me, and we back. So let's go. I don't make this video to break news to you, or even to really give you my take. I make this video so we can pray for Kevin Durant. Grant Kevin Durant the serenity, the wisdom to deal with being surrounded by clowns. He looks to the left, there's a clown. He looks to the right, there's a clown. KD, you made your bed. Now you're going to have to lie in it. Nah, nah man, I really do. That, that was the first thing that came to my mind when, when the news broke was, man, I feel bad for KD. I really do. He, he looks like he's going to have an MVP campaign, um, but you know. We all have to live with our decisions, and I don't think that he is a someone that just sat by and, and, and these things happened around him. I think Kevin Durant had had a say in what's happened here and what that roster looks like now. That was just over a year ago, right? And now here we sit, and it appears that James Harden and Kyrie, they're not getting along. Apparently, James is upset with the preferential treatment Kyrie is getting. Kind of ironic. From what I understand in Houston, whatever James wanted, James got. He got a ton of preferential treatment in Houston. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, they're being very tight lipped about it as they should. And then the rumors have started to gain steam. He's going to test free agency. Daryl Morey and the 76ers are just going to wait for James this offseason and maybe some sort of Ben trade. So much so that I saw a report this morning that NBA execs want the league to look into some sort of like cohesion or tampering with Daryl Morey and James Harden. What has been happening is every opportunity Harden gets, he kind of mentions, oh, we need Kyrie. Well, we need Kyrie. You know, he's, he's taking just these little slight, I wouldn't even call them jabs, right? But apparently they, they ain't getting along. And then Kyrie the other day tweets out, quote, put down the ego and let God show you the path. More irony from these two, right? Where this is coming from the dude whose ego has ruined every stop along his career. But you know what? To me, it almost seems that behind the scenes, Harden may be laying out an ultimatum, right? It's either me or him. 
And so if that were the case, the answer is simple to me. You take Harden. If you have to choose between Harden and Kyrie, you ship Kyrie out. I know Harden is lazy, but let's face it, Kyrie is borderline crazy, right? Like there's there, And he's far less durable. And I know Harden's having these hamstring issues now, but I just, I don't know, man. I think that the choice would be to keep Harden. You wonder who makes that, is that Nash and Durant's choice? And again, I'm jumping to conclusions here. I, I also heard one crazy internet rumor here. One trade that could maybe solve an issue. Kyrie for Russell Westbrook would absolutely make the NBA world explode, right? Not only are you reuniting the original Oklahoma City Big Three, but Kyrie and LeBron. He, we saw LeBron's ego get the best of him this summer thinking that he could make Russ work with the Lakers, right? It's easy to see KD and Harden thinking, well, shoot, we, we already know Russ. We, we, considering our history, we'll make it work. It'll be better. And he can play every game. He's durable. It's funny because Russ is really the anti-Kyrie, isn't he, right? For better or worse. What you see is what you get. He shows up every day, rain or shine. And then for the Lakers, I mean, shit, it'd probably be a dream trade, right? I think they'd do it in a heartbeat despite the potential of Kyrie going AWOL. You know, his talent and his skill set fit so much better with what they need. So we'll see. I know I'm reaching there with that, but it's just, you knew that this ultimately was going to happen. And I feel bad for KD, but once again, like I said in the video a year ago, we all have to live with the decisions that we make, man. Let's just say that, that the rumors are true and Harden goes to Philadelphia this summer. Are we sure that that's even a fit, right? Because you look at Joel Embiid, who is on pace for his first MVP, and he has become this dominant offensive hub. Right? He's pushing the ball in transition. He's gotten way better at passing. He's baiting the double teams. He's like, gotcha, right before where he was so stubborn about it. And he's just, you know, he's been dominant. And so with Harden, isn't that like, who, who's the hub? You're going to have Harden cutting and, and moving and playing off Embiid? I don't know, man. I don't know if that works either. I think the better fit for the Sixers would be someone like a Zach Levine or even a Brad Beal at the right price. Someone that could play off Joel and doesn't need to be the offensive hub himself. But I was watching that Sixers-Lakers game the other night. Anthony Davis already chipped up, hurt his wrist on a dunk. Unbelievable. I'm done clowning AD. I feel bad for him. I do. I will say he looked a lot slimmer in, in the time. What did he miss? 17 games with the MCL strain. It, I'm glad to see the lazy KG slim and in shape. I just said I wasn't going to take shots at him. No, man, I just I think that that's a key to it, but it's just crazy. It's just wild. I'm, I'm done talking about his durability, but he was playing hard. And you know what it reminded me of is, is like he's the dude that got caught cheating in the relationship. Right. And, and she took him back. And so now he shows up with flowers on a random Tuesday. He's doing the dishes. He's putting the seat down on the toilet. Right. That's going to be A.D. for these first 10 or 15 games. The question is, is how sustainable is it? How durable is he, right? Because right now, I think there's going to be a little honeymoon of, look, I'm in shape, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm really still him, you know? But then again, now here he is sitting out again, man. It's unbelievable. But watching that game, you know, one thing that I really liked that Frank Vogel did was you saw him set AD up on the other end with Joel on his free throws. Embiid shoots so many free throws, and so AD, instead of lining up for the rebounding, he'd go basically rim run before the free throws were done, 
And what it would do is it would force Embiid to sprint back on defense. You know, Embiid's in pretty good shape, man, but we all know that his gas tank and his, his, his stamina can be an issue. And I think that that's going to be something that the league is going to copycat. Every team that has a threatening big where they can't just switch it, we're going to see that the rest of the season. But, you know, I think the most startling thing in that game to me was Embiid pushing the ball and how well he moves up the court at that size. You see how small he makes Dwight Howard look? It's crazy to just to see how large of a dude he is, right? And, you know, I think Joel has reached that stage of his career where it's really whatever it takes. Of course, guys always want to win. You want to win, right? You have an ego. But when you're young, the accolades, the, the priorities, they're, they can be skewed. It can be a little bit hazy. And I think that Joel is at this stage finally where it's like, I got I to do whatever it takes to win. If that's passing the ball, if that's being – whatever it is, you're seeing the results. Now he's got a ways to go. This is a marathon, not a sprint. But I think that it's finally clicked for Joel and he possibly could be fulfilling his potential. And then you saw that thing with the fan there at the end where the dude courtside was calling Mello boy the entire fourth quarter. Finally, Mello had had enough. My question is, dude's courtside in Philadelphia around a bunch of black folk and he's getting that off? I don't understand, Philadelphia. I know one thing that would have never happened courtside at Oracle. I don't know. But yeah, I, I understand why Mello had enough of that, right? That's not normal heckling. That's some racist bullshit. The all-star starters were announced the other day. Not that many stubs. Someone's always going to be big mad, right? Now, should Devin Booker have started over Andrew Wiggins for the West? No doubt, right? There's no doubt. I'm Here sitting as a Warriors fan, Booker should have been the starter, right? But here's the thing. Go back over the last 40 years. This happens all the time. All the time. If you went, if you really like, it's hard without the context of remembering the season, but there's always someone that should have been starting. And this is in part a reason why players want to move to big markets. It's not just the endorsements and exposure. It's stuff like this. It, because Wiggins plays for one of the more celebrated and global franchises in all of sports, that's part of the benefits, right? And the other thing is, at least you can't be mad at Wig. His journey, his humility, it's good to see him make it. Should he be a starter? No, right? But it's good to see him make it and be rewarded. I think it's a good lesson for basketball players, right? At all levels. You have this A1 athlete with all this potential. It, it, the bus label's being thrown around. It's not working. He changes scenery and really commits to the defensive end and being a two-way player, and he's being rewarded for it. That's what I like most about it. Never mind me being a Warriors fan. What I like most about it is, is seeing a young guy with all that talent be rewarded for playing defense and becoming a two-way player, ultimately. But you look at the East and the West, that's really the only snubs to me. I don't, I don't really see any other snubs on this starting list. Now, the other news out of All-Star Weekend, I got to read this because it's kind of, I don't know, it sounds kind of complicated here. They've made changes to the rising stars. The report is the NBA has a new format featuring four seven-player teams competing in three-game tournament and each game having a final target score. Remember the, the new target score thing is, I'm, I'm with it. So it'll be 28 players, 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, and I really love that they're putting in some G League dudes. 
some Ignite players. Is it four G League Ignite players? I, I see again the details, but I, I'm with it, man. Because if you pay attention, right, it's always the young guys that go the hardest on All Star Weekend. They're still trying to establish themselves in the league. They've got young, bouncy legs. They're not trying to save their legs. They're, they usually are trying to go all out. So the chances are, with the tweaks to this rising star format, my prediction is that'll be the talk of All Star Weekend. We're going to get the most excitement and fun out of that. My next question is, what y'all going to do with the dunk contest? I saw Cole Anthony has officially entered his name into the competition. What if we did a 6-3 and under dunk comp, right? And then you could do like a, you had two of them, under 6-3 and then like over 6-8. I don't know, man. They got to do something with the dunk comp, but I like that they're being innovative. The other thing that I would say is tweak the celebrity game. Some of y'all don't even watch it, right? It's usually Friday. Y'all got to tweak that. Put some hoopers in there. Put the professor, White Iverson, my guy, Dev from the lab, put some hoopers in there. And then how about some of these rappers that supposedly can hoop? The game, Chris Brown. No one wants to see, you know, uh, the little kid from Blackish putting up bricks or, or the Bucks owner pulling his groin. One more subject I want to talk about across the league is you saw the Clippers come back from down 35 on the road in D.C. The Wizards now sit. 10th in the East. They've lost, what, four or five in a row? Shit's starting to leak out of their locker room. An anonymous player, quote, the inmates are running the asylum. That starts with Brad Beal. And part of the reason y'all tune in here to this, right, high volume shooter, is I'm going to just say, I don't, you know, I don't have no sponsors and I don't, I'm not afraid to say what I think. Brad Beal seems like a fake tough guy to me. He always has, right? He seems like the type of dude that's more worried about his image than his character. He does too much talking and not enough doing. This whole one foot out the door act that he's been doing the last couple years, you know, I started to snoop around the Wizards fan base on Reddit and some different forums. They're done with him. They want him out. They've had enough of it. And I don't blame them, right? They have finally come to the conclusion he's a fake franchise player. Bradley Beal's a fake franchise player. Now, can they get Jalen Brown for him? That's their dream scenario. If I'm Boston, I want more back than just Brad Beal for Jalen Brown. Like, you, you got to send me Advia or some draft picks or something else. I'm not doing one for one. Sorry. Jalen's trajectory moving forward. It, it may, Jalen may not be superior right now, but he's going to be. All right, let's move on to some Warriors stuff here. As a Warriors fan, I don't love the Draymond to TNT thing. And I'll tell you why. I don't care what anyone says. Most people know this. Our focus, our spirit, our energies, our body, it's finite. It's finite. You only have so much energy to focus on stuff, right? And so for anybody that says, well, don't hate on him. He's a great analyst. Go get that bag, Draymond. And No, no, no. Both consciously and subconsciously, it will take away from him as a basketball player. Just little bits, just little increments of focus and in, in things to do. Oh, I, instead of getting that rest, I had it. I'm telling you right now. So it's his choice. Look, he's earned it. He's earned it. But I'm just saying as a as a Warriors fan, as a biased Warriors fan, it ain't great news at this stage in his career. Now, if you want to spin it positively as a Warriors fan, you could say, well, now that Draymond has got the TV bag, maybe he'll cut the Warriors a break on his next deal, right? I don't know. Does Dre seem like the type that cuts anybody a break ever? I don't know. How about will he attack his rehab from this back issue with the same hunger and focus now that he's hanging with Shaq and Charles twice a week? So, yeah, man, like, look, 
can't knock the hustle. If I just step back objectively as just a man, it's like, get your money, Draymond. Right, cool, hustle. As a Warriors fan, again, I don't think it's a great thing. Second note of business with this Warriors team. Everyone is concerned with the lack of size. And rightfully so, right? I know we have contract Kavan. You saw my little graphic art the other day, right? Hyping this, playing. He's playing his best ball ever, maybe, right? But we seem to be too thin to make it through the West. I think that that's the consensus amongst Dub Nation. You look at the roster and there's just not a lot of salary flexibility, right? There isn't that 10 to $12 million contract that you could move, right? Because I'm looking around, I'm like, oh man, the Ho- a Kongwu for the Hawks, he'd be like a super loony, right? Or could you make a swing at Mo Bamba, who's on the block for Orlando? And again, these guys aren't like answers. They're more of possibilities as far as like just adding some depth and some athleticism, guys that maybe stretch the floor a little too. And again, with our contract situation, it, it doesn't seem like there's a move to be made out there. So because I know a lot of people are bashing the front office, the G League is very sparse when it comes to bigs, right? You can go find a guard in the G League any day, but big, not really, right? So I have an idea. Remember Myers Leonard? He was waived from the heat last March after he got caught talking crazy online. I think he was playing Call of Duty. I believe he's using slurs towards the Jewish community. Now, for some of you, that may just be a deal breaker. No way. He's banned from the league. That's fine. Who am I to tell you how to feel? He has been speaking to and learning from and speaking with people in the Jewish community and talking at schools and obviously trying to rebuild his reputation. Not only have I worked with kids for a long time, I've also watched them game online. I worked at a group home for about four years with high-risk youth, teenage boys. And when they get online with their headsets, they say some wild shit. And, and that's not an excuse, but it's just context. People say wild shit in Call of Duty forums. I know some of you know this to be true. So I don't think he should lose his career from it. He deserves another chance. Now you probably would say, The Bay Area is probably not the place for him, right? Well, I'd argue it'd be one of the better places for him with the diversity and culture there. Anyway, the point is, could the Warriors find a way to open up a roster spot for Myers Leonard, who is a 29-year-old mobile seven-footer, and he shoots the three? And you say, well, how do you do that? I don't know. You might have to trade Juan T or one of these guys on the end of the bench just for, you know, like cash considerations to open up the spot. Probably ain't going to do it. I know it's a pipe dream, but I'm just throwing out ideas out there. And again, for those of you that say, no, fuck them, can't be in the league, who am I to tell you how to feel? But I just, I mean, people say wild shit all the time. Let him try to prove that he's not that guy and help us. I don't know. You know, obviously the Warriors think Wiseman's going to be able to contribute this year. Is there another train of thought that maybe Clay just plays more of the four? When you look at the playoff matchups, right, and the ones that you're concerned with, at least in the West, you look at the Suns, they play Crowder there, Cam Johnson there. So, yeah, Clay could absolutely match up with those guys at the four, right? Utah, you'll see them with Rudy Gay, Royce O'Neal at the four at times, right? Clay could definitely match up with those guys at the four. The problem is Memphis and the Lakers. And hell, even Minnesota that we saw the other night, right, where they have legit. 6'10-ish, 7-foot sized power forwards where now that's too much to ask of Clay. Patrons, 
I'll, I'll put a fresh link for the voicemail. Maybe some of you have some trades or ideas on how we can add some depth to our front court before the playoffs. New segment for high volume shooter is getting to some mailbag voice messages, breaking it up, hearing a different voice. I'm going to give a new format here. I had been letting everybody kind of go crazy with it. And I appreciate the love, man. I do. I appreciate the love. For the purpose of time and the listener, just get right to the question. Or if it's take, right to the take. So, because I don't want to cut y'all off, right? But at the same time, I want to respect the listeners because part of the format of high volume shooter is it's efficient. I'm a efficient high volume shooter, if you will. So let's get into this episode's voicemails. Hey, Alk. I've been thinking a lot about uh, James Wiseman and Kaminga and Wiggins and was wondering, is the Warriors developmental system so good that they can unbust perceived bus players and turn high potential players into superstars? Or are they really good at spotting talent and then developing that talent? That's a good chicken or egg type of question. I always enjoy a good chicken or egg debate because there's no way to really prove it, right? Um, I don't think the Warriors have done enough for us to say, oh, they're really good at developing young talent. You look at Jordan Poole, and it's his work ethic and character. So I think that the most important thing at this level is identifying love of the game. If you're being drafted into the NBA, you've got enough talent, right? What are you made of? Do you love the game and how hard are you willing to work? I think that that at this level is the most important evaluation. But I think what the Warriors have shown is they're really good at transactions, wheeling and dealing, flipping Losing Durant into D'Lo, now into Wiggins and Kaminga. Then I think what also helps the Warriors is identifying system fit. In football, every team does it, right? Like, does this guy fit our system and our scheme? Basketball, it's a little more blurry, right? And especially with the worst teams, teams picking early in the draft where they don't really have an identity. So now you're just swinging with raw talent. It doesn't matter. But I think the Warriors and the success they've had, the culture and the character, they want a certain type of guy, right? And so that helps them along the way. I'm optimistic. I'm not saying that they're not going to develop these guys. I think you saw them make the changes to do so, bringing in Jokic's old coach, and they kind of revamped the staff now that they have young players on the team. But again, I think the most important thing is the judgment of character in evaluating and bringing in these guys and then teaching them to play within the system and identifying that their skill set matches the Warriors' system. Hey, Al, this is John Pettis. A uh, quick uh, thought from just watching a lot of like Warriors chatter and whatnot is just getting so pissed off recently at all these people. You know how sometimes people learn one buzzword and then they just say that like it's going to make them look smart? Well, that's what we got going on with people criticizing Kerr after everything that goes wrong. And all they do is they show up and they say, Kerr's got to fix his rotations we got to start clowning people who say kerr's got to fix his rotations man if you don't have anything more sophisticated to say than that then get the fuck out of here this is just so stupid anyway that's my rant shit i'm with it john i'm with it it's funny i was just talking to my daughter about that when it comes to her basketball and the coaching that she's receiving and it's like well put someone's feet to the fire 
when they use a, a, a buzzword or a general term or a cliche, well, why? What do you mean? What's the detail? And I've seen this over and over again, not just in sports, but in 2022, when you dig deeper and, and ask the harder questions, people have nothing to say about it. So we ain't doing that around here with high volume shooter, but I hear you. The rotations, to me, what it seems like with Kerr is, and what's been very frustrating is, is not holding the players to the same accountability. You see Bielitsa out there, um, T at times, right, guys? And they're allowed to play through a ton of mistakes. And then the rookies are the young guys. One mistake and you're gone. And hey, big picture all in all, Kerr's right. You got to hold the younger guys to a higher standard where Bielitsa, he is who he is. You kind of got to live with his flaws. But yeah, people got to be more specific. No, when he left Bielitsa in the first four minutes of the fourth quarter when it fell apart for us defensively. We already had a 10-point lead. Now we needed to protect that with the defensive lineup. Why doesn't GP2 play more fourth quarters, right? No, the rotations. I get it. I get it. I'm with you, John. We ain't doing that around here on High Volume Shooter. Yo, Alec. Uh, my name is Alex. I guess on the Patreon, it might be Engelprunt, E-N-G-L-E-P-R-U-N-T. And because I know you like the potty humor that uh, my friends and I said that means an elephant fart. So feel free to use that one if you'd like. Anyway, uh, my girlfriend got me and my dad uh, tickets for Christmas to go to the game where Clay came back. And that was amazing. And it was awesome to see that shit live for sure. And it got me thinking, is that or when Baron dunked on AK-47 in the 2007 playoffs, my favorite live warrior moment. So I guess my question was for you, what's your favorite live warrior moment? I guess sporting moment, but I guess um, people would be more interested in hearing if it's NBA related, especially Warriors. Fam, an elephant fart must be something else. I guess the only way to take one in is in the outdoors, though, so it may not be too bad. But (laughs) yeah, man, Um, I I can't pinpoint one. I'll go through some, some warrior ones. The game six in Houston with no Durant, the, that that one was special. Um, basically, all game six clays. The pull up from Durant in Cleveland. I think it was. I think it was a game five, right? You remember he pulled up on that left high hash mark elbow, bang! It was over. It was a, just a dagger blow, and he, and he didn't celebrate. He was super cold with it, and, and it was Clay and, and Steph and everybody around him like Ugh, like stank facing him, right? Um, obviously, the first championship. It didn't feel real until the final moments when they throw the ball up, you know, and it was, I remember David Lee's face with Steph. It was, you know, there, there's, there's those moments. Um, Anthony Randolph dunking on Yao Ming. And there was a couple moments from him when we thought he was the guy going at Kevin Garnett in Boston at, you know, 19, 20 years old. The catch two from Terrell Owens. That was a moment, man. But yeah, yeah, those, those are the ones that stick out for me. Here's a hot take. Is JTA just a way to make amends for moving the team from Oakland to San Francisco and trying to buy that fan base back in, given they, you know, ripped the soul out of the bay by putting in the bougie-ass city? That's a spicy take from my guy, Kyle. I'm not even mad at that, man. I never thought of that angle. Who knows? That That would be a crafty move from the organization. No, look. I've shit on Juan on numerous occasions and he's surprised me on numerous occasions sticking, being able to stick with the team really. And, and maybe that's what your point is like, why and how is he stuck with the team? I think Juan, you know, is a 
break glass and emergency type player. I think he's a good guy to have on the end of your bench, a good practice guy. He's going to bring energy and effort. And every now and then when you need a lift, you send him in there. But I think where his limitations is he's really a power forward, but he's the size of a guard, you know? And so like, he's just a little too undersized in the way that Curry uses him and it becomes frustrating. And I also think that you know, Juan T maybe be suffering from a little imposter syndrome this year, right? He's got to pull the trigger. You've put in the work on the shots when you're in there, Juan. You got to pull the trigger on those open counter threes. And maybe he's heard too much of, you know, baby Draymond talk like that. But um, yeah, no. So I don't have a problem with Juan being on the team. Not that this was your question, right? But I don't have a problem with Juan being on the team. I have a problem with him being in the rotation consistently. I don't think that that is his role with the depth of this year's roster. And to be fair, he hasn't really been of late. What's up, Alc? Uh, it's Gustav from Denmark here. And my question is, uh, what kind of pieces do you think the Warriors would need to add around Poole, Kuminga, and Wiseman um, if, we, if we want to have another dynasty in the future? And uh, what kind of identity do you think that team will have? That's a tough question because... I don't think we've seen who they are yet, right? We Obviously, we have our best fuel for pool. And, you know, just off the top of the head, you, you feel like they're going to be a high-tempo, high-energy team, right? Pool and Kaminga both play with a lot of energy. Now, what would you need around that? Like, so who would you pair if Pool? The question is, is, is Pool your lead guard? He's 6'4", 6'5". What do you need alongside him? I think that defensively, you want a bigger guard with with Poole, so you allow Poole to guard the smaller of the backcourt matchings, right? Um, And then Wiseman is kind of like the unknown. It feels like Wiseman wants to play on the perimeter a little bit more and and stretch the floor. So, I mean, the answer is that it, it feels like that core, if all three of them can come close to their potential, then you're gonna be good no matter what you put around them. And now you're looking for you know, three and D wings, role players that are willing to play their role and, and be versatile. I think the Warriors, their beliefs on basketball, that that's not going to change depending on their personnel. They're going to hunt that those principles, those Sean Livingstons, those Andre Iguodala's, lanky, switchable defenders who are versatile players, right? And you put that around that core. I think that, again, it's so early to really speak on what their identity would be, but I would, th- I would think it's going to be a, a fast-paced, high-energy athletic team it's going to kind of be a showtime team maybe maybe similar to you remember some of you are, you might not be old enough but like jay rich gilbert arenas antoine jameson type of thing where it was just fast paced a lot of athleticism hopefully there'd be a lot more wins than that trio was able to rack up uncle alchemy what's up this is kevin aka e40 I believe there are four things which make you truly unique. Number one is your knowledge of basketball. That's kind of obvious. I've watched every single video you've ever made, and I have learned a huge amount. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Number two is personality. Don't get a big head now. You know, we all love you, so this this one is obvious as well. The last two are common sense and emotional intelligence. You have really just surprised me over and over again with your takes on people, current events, you know, in general, anything 
not technically related to basketball knowledge. That is kind of a rare thing these days. I don't really need to, you know, get specific because we know the world's a pretty messed up place right now. I say all that to say with your unique skill set and style, I'd really like to know what your dream job is. Is it what you have now? Is it some job in broadcasting? An assistant position on some NBA team? Okay, with the Warriors? I just want to say, whatever you do, man, I will be with you and uh, peace. Well, I had to throw this one in here. Kevin, aka 40 Water, has been rocking with me on Patreon for a long time. And I understand some of you were like, hey, Alk, man, these messages are too long and stuff like that. Moving forward, I'm going to shorten the format of it. I really appreciate the love. And so I didn't want to like not acknowledge it. And I know some of you had left like these long five minute takes that I can't just fit in a short form podcast like this. And so I'll, I'll, I'll format the voice messages so everybody can get their opportunity because it doesn't have to be about me or even a question. I want you guys to be able to give your takes. We just got to do it in an efficient manner. Right. But I had to put my guy. 40 water in here because he's been rocking with me for so long and show the gratitude back by acknowledging the message. Um, I love hoops, man. I love hoops. My dream, my dream job would be to work for the warriors. Just part of the training staff, man, you know, like do what I do, watch the tapes, break it down, come in the next day and help these guys get better. And I just love being around the game. I love, I love talking shit jokes. I, I like doing the narration. Don't get me wrong. Now it is a grind. If I could do just like only the fun games, of course, you know, who, who wouldn't want to only just do the fun part of their job? So I do love what I do, but ultimately I love being in the gym. I love hearing the ball bounce. I love hearing it go through the net and I just love hoops. I love the culture of it. So yeah, to work for a team, specifically, obviously the Warriors learn and, and just be around the game. And that's like, I'll put it to you like this. If I won the lottery today, I would buy a gym and I would open it up. And make it affordable for, you know, the youth and the, and the people around my area and just be in there, just be in there, getting up shots, working with kids, just having fun with it. Right. You know, like that's that's what I would do every day. I'd wake up, I'd go to the gym and just hoop, just shoot the shit, talk shit. Did you see the game last night? Work on the crossover, the hezzy, all that. I appreciate y'all, man. Again, uh, have some patience with me as we format these mailbag questions and, and get them a little more efficient. I wanted to show love to everybody. If I missed you, I'll get you. Again, and we'll find a forum for you to to get your stuff off. You can check an episode a week on Spotify, iTunes. I'll be back on YouTube next week. Um, if you really want to support your boy, though, hop on the Patreon. It's a great value. This is High Volume Shooter. I'm out, y'all.